0: Get your library card now at TDM Library. The Diversity Movement. You can't stop me,
1: nothing's going to stand
2: in my way. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm going to fly
1: higher. I'm going to fly. This is Donald Thompson, and welcome again to the latest episode of the Donald Thompson Podcast. And right now I have as a guest of ours, Sonia Hobson, and she is the founder and CEO of Higher Strategies. And Sonia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. And one of the things that we like to do, Sonia, as we really get to know our guests and, and so that everybody's listening as, as friends, take a little bit and just talk about you, your background, your family, any of the things you'd like to share about you so that we can all get to know each other a little bit better.
2: I'm originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. I spent quite a bit of my career in Maryland. I was actually there maybe uh, 10 to 15 years before I moved back to North Carolina. I have three daughters that I absolutely adore. (laughs) I would consider them my motivation, my inspiration. And the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do is because of them. My youngest daughter, her name is Braylon and she's actually just turned 14. My middle daughter is Brianna. She's actually 22 and just graduated from NC State. I'm very excited about that. It's definitely been a difficult journey for her, so she is thrilled that she's able to be able to to complete her, her program. My oldest daughter, her name is Shayla, and she is 24. And she has actually been working with me along by my side with Higher Strategy since the beginning. So I'm thrilled to be able to say that. She started at the very, very beginning, first as my assistant, then it's my receptionist and kind of worked her way up into accounting. So she's been along for the entire ride.
1: Oh, that is fantastic. That is what a, what a powerful story in its, in its own right. Being mm-hmm. able to work with your kids and see them grow and thrive as professionals. And that's like, that's really awesome, right? In, in terms of what you do. In terms of higher strategies, tell us a little bit about the business. And okay. as we start this conversation, how did you get it started? Like, where's okay. the, the why and how you jump started higher strategies?
2: Okay. Higher Strategies was formed in 2013. It's a crazy story in terms of I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. That was not my goal. I became an entrepreneur out of necessity. At the time that Higher Strategies was formed, I was in the middle of a divorce. I became a single parent. I had three children that I had to provide for. And my only objective was how am I going to make this work? How am I going to be able to financially provide for these children? I was working in construction, I was working for a firm in Raleigh Now I was making decent salary, but I knew that it wouldn't be enough to take care of three children. So at the same time that I was working for a staffing firm in Raleigh, I was also going back to school because I assumed that I could not get the type of salary that I needed on a bachelor's degree, that maybe I needed a master's degree. So I'm going to school now, full time, I'm working full time. I am going through a divorce. I have three children, and my oldest daughter took the divorce pretty hard. So she was having some challenges and she struggled with depression. And at the time, I didn't really have a flexible schedule. I was doing the sales, I was doing the recruiting, I was working 60, 70 hours a week, I was working on weekends. There just wasn't an opportunity for me to take a break. And that being said, I had to make a choice. I had a choice do I keep this job? that's paying the bills, or do I do as best for my daughter? So I mm-hmm. ended up leaving on a hope and a prayer. <laughs> and the goal was not necessarily for me to start a fabulous company. I just wanted to make enough to be able to cover my essential needs. So that's how higher Strategies was formed. It was pretty much out of necessity as a single parent, what can I do that would offer me some flexibility? How can I provide for my oldest daughter for what she needed from a nurturing perspective and what's going to help pay the bills? So I didn't expect it to flourish until what it is now today, of course, at that moment. But I'm very proud of how it's flourished. But that was not my original intention.
1: No, that's a powerful story in terms of that dive into entrepreneurship out of family necessity. Right. And that that responsibility, right, to do what's best for your family, both financially and for that mental well-being, that health, right? Going through a divorce myself and having kids and that challenge Mm-hmm. during that process, that's real stuff. And having to balance those things along with that pay to bills, it takes a, a lot of follow through and push. Yeah,
2: I, I agree with you. And I'll tell you even something uh, a little bit more about that particular situation. At the time I was working in staffing and as a salesperson, you would make commission. So I was making pretty good commission checks because my revenue was pretty substantial at that time. But I promised my children that I would purchase a home for them because when I went through my divorce, I actually lost my home because it was in my ex-husband's name and he left and he kind of refused to pay the mortgage. And there were some challenges with that. So long story short, we ended up having to move out of our, our home. It was my children's family home. And so I promised them, I said, give mommy a couple of years and I promise you we'll be able to move back into a home. So when it came time to make a decision, do I stay at this job or do I leave? I actually took the money that I had saved for a home and that's how I started higher strategies.
1: That is awesome. One of the things that when people look at where someone is today, there's always a backstory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody gets to success just this way. There's always that windy and and curvy curvy road. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about when you're working through and building a company. Give a little bit more detail on what higher strategies is and how you were able to take your skills in the current construction industry and create that company. What does higher strategies do? What companies do you serve?
2: Well, to back up a little bit, how I even got into construction staffing is I used to do only manufacturing staffing. And then when we had that turn in the economy in 2008, I got into construction by accident. I accepted a position because out of need, I needed this position, but it was solely construction. So when I first took that position, I said, okay, well, I don't know anything about construction. And my supervisor at the time, he said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I got you. You just go out and sell the opportunities. And when you bring it back, I will recruit it for you. And I'll get you the manpower you need. You just go out there and be the face." I said, "Okay, well, I'm used to that. I can do that. So I went out and I sold my first deal. And it was for a a middle school here in Raleigh. So I was all excited. I met with the superintendent. I told him I was going to do this wonderful job for him. And it was time sensitive. Because it was a school, they had to get the school completed by the summer so the children could come back to school. Long story short, my supervisor did not staff the job so well. And my very first phone call was from the superintendent. And he called me and he was so upset. And he said, Sonia, you know what? I believed in you. I trusted you. This is not what I need for this job. These guys don't know what they're doing. They are not skilled. And some other choice words that he used. (laughs) I'm putting it very nicely, <laughs> but he basically told me I ruined his life. I ruined his project. And he was not happy. So I said, you know what? Give me, give me 15 minutes. I hung up the phone. I drove over to the job site and I said, Hey, talk to me about what's going on. So he told me that guys were not skilled. They didn't know what they were doing. The job was a mess. He only had two months. What was I going to do? I said, okay. I said, give me 20 bucks. So I went home and I got on YouTube and I Googled what's a pipe fitter. What's a pipe welder. What's the HVAC mechanic? <laughs> what, 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 do all these guys do? So I studied, I studied for 24 hours. I went to the job site. The next day I fired everybody there, pretty much the entire crew. I went in on the weekend. I re-recruited the entire team and it was 50 people that had to be there. So I re-recruited this, this, this team for him. Went back and said, okay, this is what I've done to fix it. I'm going to be at the job site until you feel comfortable that these guys are what you need. And I would show up to the job site every morning and I would check, did they report on time? Is it the skill that you need? Is there something that you're missing? And through that experience, I learned construction because I absolutely knew nothing. But that particular experience, not only did it teach me construction, it taught me how to build trust, how to build a true partnership how to do what you say you're going to do. And I built a friendship that was completely unexpected with this particular superintendent and we're still friends to this day. And he's the one who gave me the pink hard hat. And We can kind of talk more about that, but that's where it came from. At the end of that job, it ended on time it was successful we celebrated at the end he was very pleased and they actually came back the following year for part 2 of that project and he called me and we used majority of the same guys over again for that very same project and we still have a relationship to this day so that is what the premise of how higher strategies was formed is i want to provide a better level of service I want to be able to do what we say we're going to do. And if we say we're going to provide you with top talent, that's what we're going to do. And just act with integrity. And I didn't always have the option to make those choices when I'm working for someone else's organization because I have to play by their rules and I have to abide by whatever their value system is. And I couldn't really put my personal uh, opinion or my personal thoughts on how we should do things as an organization. So that's why I'm proud of who we are as higher strategies, because I do have those choices.
1: That's a powerful story, right? Because we, right. You're in the construction business, you're in the, the talent acquisition advisory business Mm -hmm. and and you have some, some layers to what you do. I'm in the marketing business, but Mm -hmm. at the same spirit is when you get that phone call, and that customer is not happy, what are you gonna do about it?
2: What are you gonna
1: do, yes. Right? And because we all build our businesses with that aspirational hope that we're always gonna get it right, mm-hmm. but we fall down, we're human. It doesn't go quite right all the time. But typically what I've found that customers want is are you gonna own responsibility and fix it? Yes. And not have this debate about whose fault, what, the spec wasn't right, this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. Are you going to fix it? And you birthed your company and your momentum because mm-hmm. you fixed it. Mm-hmm. And that is that is really great. Let's stay into the pink hard hat. That's how it was yeah. given to you. Yes. Yeah. What is that now taken on as an aura? What does that pink hard hat mean to you? Right? There's not many African American female ladies in the construction business. For sure. Right? <laughs> so talk to us about that hard hat. Talk to us about being a trailblazer.
2: Yeah, and that actually came about because whenever I would go to the, the job site, I'm used to being a salesperson. I'm used to dressing professionally. I'm used to having a certain type of image. So I would go to a job site. And even though it's a construction job site, I might have on heels. I probably have on dress flags maybe even a suit jacket. I'm thinking that's how I'm supposed to present myself. And my superintendent would pull me to the side and said, Sonia, you can't you can't come to a job site <laughs> and open toe shoes. You you can't come to a job site without a hard hat. You just can't do that. And I would listen and I come back to the job site. This time I may have on jeans and the blazer, but still no hard hat and he would say, Sonia, I, I told you a hundred times, you can't you can't come to the job site. You just can't. And I said, What's gonna mess my hair up? And if I put this hard hat on <laughs> And I have another appointment after my hair is going to be smushed. It's not going to work. And so he, finally, we had a meeting in the corporate office and he said, well, the, the team wants to meet with you. I said, okay. So I meet him in Winston-State that was the corporate office. And I walk into the conference room and there's this beautiful pink hard hat on the table. And they said, look, we thought if we got you this pink hard hat, you would actually wear it. Will you please wear this hard hat? And I said, okay, I will wear this hard hat every time <laughs> I report back to this. I will wear it everywhere. <laughs> all you had to do is I had to do to get me to where it is get me a pink heart at.
1: <laughs> that is, that is awesome. As I listen to the story, I think about that moment, right? And mm-hmm. how much they thought of you yes. to get you something that fit your style and your brand, yes. but that also was safe for yes. their brand and their environment Yes, and how to mix those two together. One of the things when you're building a business, you're learning. Yes. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way as you've built a business that was small, but now you've got a multi-million-dollar company that you're working with. Tell us some of the progressions, some of the learnings, the things you've learned along the way.
2: Oh my goodness. I've learned so many things. I think the first lesson was that I could not do it alone. That's probably the, the very, very first lef- lesson that I learned. I was so used to being in positions where My reputation was on the line, so I had to give the very best of me, and I didn't trust a lot of people around me to support me with things that I was doing, because I wanted to make sure that if I told the client that something was going to be done, it was going to be done correctly. So I was used to playing both sides of the the coin, being the salesperson and the recruiter and the payroll person. If you had a payroll question, that's me. Um, If you need something delivered to the job site, that's me. So I was playing all roles. So it was very difficult for me to share those responsibilities and trust that other people could be as effective as myself and care enough to want to be engaged and involved. So that's probably lesson number one is to really look at building a team, a team that could support the core values and support the company and have the same goals as myself. Let's see. The second, there's several lessons that I've learned throughout the years, just being okay with making mistakes. Mm. I'd say that's another one. I was very hard on myself. I'm still very hard on myself. I don't like to make mistakes, but I understand that, you know, mistakes are going to be made. It's more so how do I recover and what is the lesson? I'm very big on learning what is the lesson. Okay, now that I've made this mistake, what is it here to teach me? And I just have to pay attention and listen.
1: You know, having a high standard for what you want to accomplish is important and that's good. But the mistakes are all part of our journey. Yes. As I was learning leadership from my perspective, you know, I had one kind of speed, right? I had that athletic football coach mentality and mm-hmm. that 100 mile an hour drive. Mm-hmm. But everybody in the businesses I was running couldn't relate to that. Yes. And so I had to develop a different level of communication for different folks and their personality. Mm-hmm. I had to slow down enough to say that, wait a minute, my job is to communicate in a way that the employee hears it. Not in a way yes. that I like to communicate.
2: And that's tough, right? Yeah,
1: it's tough. It's t- hey, listen, that's a work in progress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress for me, too. <laughs> hey,
1: that, is, that is a work in progress. But it has paid huge dividends because now, as my style has broadened, mm-hmm. I can have a bigger pool of folks that can work well with me and the goals that we have. Yeah. And so it was something that was a lot of hard lessons, right? And going forward. But, you know, like yourself, that trust that you had to develop that other people could do it with the same care has now allowed you to to blossom. That's really, really important. Where do you see your business going forward? What are some of the things and pivots that you're looking at as you continue to grow?
2: We're looking at what other services could we offer? Right now, we focus quite a bit on construction and accounting and finance more recently within the last couple of years through the acquisition of Five Star. So we have a lot of energy and efforts placed in trying to build that market also. But we're wanting to see what other markets could we serve? What other industries could we serve? And then how could we expand into additional markets? Actually, prior to the COVID-19, we were actually looking at an office space in Charlotte. And there was a plan to be in Charlotte by third quarter of this year. So now we're looking, okay, what are our plans for 2021? Do we move that, move to Charlotte till then? So we're very much still in the strategic process of trying to figure out how do we expand and get outside of just Raleigh.
1: No, that makes sense. One of the things I wanted to ask you is we're all dealing with kind of the ups and downs that are associated with this pandemic. Yes. How, how has that affected the construction business, the business that you're in, in the growing the talent, matching the talent with the clients and different things, but then more in general, just the construction business. What are you seeing? What are you learning these days?
2: Well, I'm definitely seeing that it is affecting the industry. Normally by this time this time is our busiest season. and We would pick up substantially in the number of talent that we would have on assignments, but it's been more so held steady, which is good. I'm thankful for that. We've seen some decline, but it's been slight, but we really haven't seen any upward trends as of yet. I do expect that to change once there's more stability and we have a better understanding of how our clients' projects are going to move forward. But there definitely has been a hit to the industry, even though it is an essential business and a lot of our talent worked throughout the entire pandemic. They changed how they worked, but they worked. We've definitely still seen a decline in in the business overall.
1: Got it. I want to back up and, and you said something I want to expand on a little bit when you were talking about expansion of your business, production uh-huh. is kind of the, the, the core, but then you expanded to accounting, I think. Yeah. Is that what you said?
2: Accounting and administrative position. All right.
1: So how does that go together in the strategy, right? So telling, <laughs> there's got to be a story there. So tell me. There, a-
2: there's a story there and it actually ties into one of the lessons that I learned is, hey, I can't totally depend on myself, which I did for a long time, but I decided I needed to reach out to some other business owners, some other partners, some other women in the industry, anyone that could give me some advice or some suggestions on things that I can do to improve. So I, through another connection of mine, I was introduced to Cindy Heath, who was the owner of Five Star Staffing. And I emailed her and I reached out to her and I said, hey, you know, is there any way we can develop some kinship so that we can start meeting each other, possibly having some discussions about your business, my business, we're not in competing business, maybe we can support and encourage each other. So it actually started out that way, more so as a friendship then maybe um, a mentor relationship, and then became the opportunity for us to actually purchase five-star staffing, which I thought was awesome. There was definitely strong brand recognition for their company. And I saw it as a great opportunity for us to diverse our talent pool and also diversify our client side of the business. So it was a win-win for both of us. So I thought that was a great opportunity for us to expand.
1: Oh man, that is phenomenal and smart because anytime you can take similar skills, but apply them in a different market, right? You can grow smartly. So kudos to that because acquiring a business is a big deal, no matter what the numbers are and, and the, the risk to, to take that plunge and to grow. When you think about leadership and development and growth for you and your team, what are some of the things that you do as a leader to stay sharp? What are some of the things that you read, some of the people that you admire?
2: Oh my goodness, there's so many. I, I've been on my own journey, I'd say spiritual journey, for the last year and a half, two years. And I've been really trying to expand my own knowledge and work on my personal development. So I've been doing quite a bit of reading. I'm very inspired by Simon Sinek. Okay. i very inspired by him. I think that my leadership style is very similar to his. I want to inspire people around me. It's not so much about the revenue aspect. Of course, that's important. It's important that the business is profitable, but it's what I do to impact those around me that means more to me than anything else. So I'm constantly trying to figure out, for me, how can I be a better leader? How can I be more effective? how can I inspire my team? How can I coach? How can I mentor and develop? Because if I really work on me, then I will be able to develop skills that will directly relate to how I manage my team. Definitely inspired by Brene Brown, John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar.
1: Yeah. one I want to make a comment on, on Brene Brown. Like I've heard a lot of professional, very successful ladies that I work with and they're, They're like, you got to read this by Brene Brown. I was like, okay, why? And then she was like, talk about vulnerability. And this. (laughs) I was like, no, I don't want to talk about, no, I don't want to talk about my most authentic self and vulnerability. So no, thank you. And so I'm on my third Brene Brown book, right? So
2: Great job. (laughs) You got me beat. I've only read two.
1: (laughs) One of the things that I found that I really enjoy is that She talks about vulnerability being a foundation for strength. Yes. Right? My typecast was it was more of a book club moment, and it was more of a kumbaya moment. And really, it's about breaking down self so you can build from the strengths that you have, Mm -hmm. build from the challenges that you have. But it is about build. It allowed me to really get into what she was saying. And the second thing that I really liked was the research she researches everything that she's describing. So she gives her opinion, but then she says, it's backed up by this, by yes. this study, this is why it is. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like by the third one, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I, got <it. laughs> I, I got it. And you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting is that, and, and we'll talk a little bit about diversity and biases. Mm-hmm. I did have a little bias, not from the, the powerful ladies that were recommending it and saying that I would enjoy it, but it didn't seem to hit me in the way that I consumed information so I pushed it back a little bit Mm -hmm. and it was after the third person that I kind of opened my mind to something new and I got a lot out of it and so one of the things that I would like to ask you Mm -hmm. is as a woman in business as a female leader Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you would want your male counterparts people that you're selling to working with to know so that we can understand different perspectives better because we all have biases. What would you put into our brain about working with growing female leaders, being more supportive that maybe we wouldn't naturally know or understand?
2: I would take take away the judgment. Take away the judgment and put it aside because you never know a person's situation. You don't know their background. You don't know what's happened previously. You don't know anything about this person other than what they're presenting to you at that given moment. So I would say take away the judgment because it allows you to really see the person differently if you do that. And just have more empathy. Have more empathy for those around you, even if maybe they don't represent themselves in the most favorable way in your first interaction. Don't judge that because you don't necessarily know what happened before that person came um, to sit in front of you to have a conversation.
1: No, that is powerful. One of the things that I try to think about, and again, for me, it's a work in progress, is that people don't make mistakes on purpose. People don't come to work saying, I'm gonna mess up today, yes. right? There's usually something that's going on if you've got a talented person who you hired, you checked mm-hmm. references, you went through the interview process, and something's not going quite right. Mm-hmm. So I try to look at the work and then look at the work through that person's point of view mm-hmm. to try to make sure that we are seeing a brighter picture. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes what I found out when I asked that question is somebody had a rough day at work, something happened to an animal that they love, a dog, a pet, a mm-hmm. child that they love and they're caring for a relationship issue that we all go through. Yes. And whether they give me a lot of detail or not, what I try to explain is if you tell me there's something I'm not aware of, that's got you a little off. hmm but if, if I give a moment, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work itself out in a day or two, but I just need a moment. Mm-hmm. Just that acknowledgement or that awareness mm-hmm. really makes it easier for everybody to kind of work. Because otherwise, all you can judge is what you see. Exactly. Right? In that moment. Mm-hmm. In, in, that, in that moment. And so the Brene Brown is, is powerful. So I, I took a little, a little segue there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you said that I'd like you to expand upon is that commitment in that personal development. Yes. What are some of the specific things that you'd like to share that kind of where you were before and Mm -hmm. what you've worked on to really improve now and going forward?
2: Okay. So now it's my opportunity to be vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) I have realized that there are several things that I'm still uncomfortable with. And even though some may say I've reached a certain level of success and they see that higher strategies itself being a success, I don't necessarily always feel that way. And especially when I'm going into a room around other business owners or people who are just accomplished or more than accomplished than myself, I feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome, almost as if I don't belong. Even though I may have all the accolades to prove it, I still feel like I don't belong. So I wanted to dig deeper into that and I wanted to know why. So I went on a journey to try to figure it out. And that's kind of where I'm at. And it's been excellent for me. And not only has it improved me as a leader, I've seen improvements as a mom. And that's more inspirational to me because once I see myself changing and I see myself making a couple tweaks, I look at my daughters and I see them making a couple of tweaks themselves. And I see them leveling up a little bit. And it makes me proud because they always say, as a parent, you can't just say, you know, do as I say. They watch. They watch and they mimic even when you think they're not, they're not looking. So Uh it's important to me that I represent myself in the best way so I can show up emotionally healthy for my girls. And that's very, very important to me. So that's why I've been putting so much work into myself.
1: Oh man, that is um, awesome. And our audience will get a lot out of it because one of the things that when you show up professionally at work, you're showing up personally also, Yes. that facade of it's business, not personal, is mm-hmm. just not true, Not right? Our professional representation is stronger if our personal self is more whole, mm-hmm. right? And so, you got to deal with all of those different layers, us as, as human beings, mm-hmm. to get the most productivity at work, and like you said, being a better mom and and feeling more, more present at, at home. I hired a young lady for our company, and one of the things that she said during the interview, I said, well, why do you want this job, right? And she gave the kind of business reasons why and walk west is growing and, and you know I've studied you as a leader and all those things that that, that are good. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And I was kind of listening and, and a pause in the conversation and she said, you know, I want to take on this new challenge because I want my daughter to see me do something difficult and achieve it. Yeah. I want my daughter to see it. And I gotta tell you, now we ended up hiring her because it was good. <laughs> I'm glad that she was also talented and everything. You know what I mean? Because I was like we got to hire her. I got to hire her, right? Like that's like the, the best answer of all time, you know? And so it's important when we're looking at people, whether it is they're doing on the rise or they need to improve, is what's motivating them. Yeah. How do we use that motivation for a positive? Yeah. Right. And in this instance, it was to make her, her daughter proud. And in other instances, I've got folks that we're the first to graduate from, from college and their first job mm-hmm. is that second layer of inspiration for their entire family, mm-hmm. right? And so many things as a business owner and an entrepreneur that we get to be a part of is I get to, in many instances, and you're the same way, champion people's growth. I want to go back mm-hmm. to one thing that you described that is more prevalent than people would even realize, and it's the term you used, imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. In my journey as a business person, I'm on a lot of different boards. I do executive coaching and different things. And so it's a term that people may use different words, but it describes a similar point of view. And so what I want to share with with our audience that, you know, when you don't feel like maybe you're good enough, even though the accolades are there and you don't feel like you measure up and you're still feel a little uncomfortable. My advice is a blank sheet of paper and just start writing down the people that you've helped start writing down the number of times that you've made payroll start writing down the number of employees that have jobs because you decided to be in business start writing down the number of clients that you've helped and what you'll find is that sheet of paper will be a small representation of how much you're underestimating self Mm -hmm. and then you can put that sheet of paper on your office window and then whenever you get that little that little person that's saying that you're not enough you look at that paper and it's like you know what you might be right, I'm not enough, but I was enough for these people. I was enough for these folks that helped me. I was enough for these jobs that I'm putting into this economy. And one of the things that it does is it reinforces that balance of helpfulness. Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking to clients or, or new people, I just tell them, just let me know if I can be helpful and pick up the phone and call. And my view of you and working with you, and, and obviously you're a client of, not obviously, but you're a client of Walk West and Sharon McLeod, who works with you on PR and different things, talks a lot about you in a good way. Like it's so good. She's like, Sonia's amazing. Guess who I get to talk to this week? And, and I got to write a press release on this, what she did. And it's so fun to have clients that we're fans of, clients to just pay us money. And, and we'll take money. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but, but it is also cool to have clients that we're fans of. And Sharon is a big fan, and so am I, of what you're doing and what you've done. And most importantly, of what you'll do in the future and the people that you'll, you'll inspire. And I mean that in a very sincere way. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you is talk to me about, from your perspective in the business world, give me some of your thoughts on diversity and inclusion and how that can be impacted in, the, in a positive way from the position that you're in.
2: Well, I'll talk about it from two different perspectives, because like you mentioned or indicated, it's definitely a challenge or could be a challenge for someone like myself to be in a male-dominated industry, and I am a black female. And I just want individuals to know that you can't let things that are a challenge to you stop you or make you afraid of getting to a certain level of success, because that could have been the case for me quite honestly, because when I got into construction, I had a client tell me directly to my face that he didn't think he wanted to work with me because I was a woman and I was Black. And I could have easily taken offense because it was somewhat offensive comments. <laughs> 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 that sh- could have stopped the conversation. But for me, I wanted to dig deeper. So him making that comment brought up more conversation because I wanted to understand why you feel that way. So instead of storming out of the, the office and saying, I can't believe this and I don't even want to talk to you, I sat down and I said, help me understand that. Why do you, did you not want to talk to me? Because I'm a woman and because I'm black. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I haven't worked with any other black women, um, especially not in construction. And he said, a lot of the guys who come in here to talk up with us about providing some temporary staffing or talent to our team, they're men. So that's what I'm used to. So we had some conversation, some honest conversation around that. I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you tell me what your needs are? I will assist you. And then you can gauge whether you want to work with me any further. Either you think that I can be a support to your company or not. So he said, okay, that's fine. Why don't you bring me in this amount of people on this next project and we'll see how it goes. Well, I ended up staffing his entire project. Staff his entire project. We did a very good job for him. We're still friends today. He still does business with us, but that was an opportunity for him to change his perspective and an opportunity for me not to be afraid just because I didn't come in the form that this gentleman expected me to come in. And then, like I said, you take out the judgment piece and let's have some conversation around this because maybe I can help you change your perspective of how you see things. And maybe you won't make that comment again.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to impact that a little bit. You did a couple things that are are powerful. One, that's very offensive. <laughs> Number one, not not kind of like that's like straight up racist. Straight but up. <laughs> at least he was honest, right? He was like,
2: honest, right? You gotta
1: give him that. Yeah. But you didn't take the typical reaction. You took the challenge and then rose above it. Yes. Yeah. Like, what about like, what's that about? That's a counter reaction in a positive way. Mm-hmm. That is bold and awesome.
2: I'll tell you, maybe it's because I'm used to it. Maybe it's because I had just become used to being in that situation. I'll say it from this aspect. Outside of being in construction, just being in a sales environment, it is a male-dominated industry. So I am used to having to show up and prove myself. And perfect example, I remember going on interviews, and I would sit out in the waiting room, and there would be four or five of us. I'm the only woman only black woman and the other people are men and we're all there and we're interviewing for the same position, a business development role. And I would watch interview after interview of the, the, the guys go in, I would hear outside laughing. I would hear all kinds of fun conversation. They would go in with one piece of paper, their resume. They would come out 15 minutes later. They would shake hands. And um, the person that would interview out here and see a smile on their face from inner ear, I'm going to call you next week, tell you about, you know, when you could start. They go out of the interview, everything worked well. So maybe I'm the last person to go in. So I'm getting prepared, and I go in and I sit down, and <laughs> I'm in there for one full hour, not thirty minutes. I have more than my resume. I have to now have a portfolio to show, hey, I've done this project. I've sold this much. Matter of fact, here are my references that you can call. But I always had to prove my abilities because they didn't necessarily think that I had what it takes to to have the experience for the role. So I'm always, I was just used to having to do better than. I couldn't do just enough. I got to be better than. And that kind of trained me throughout the years that this is what you got to do. If you want to be in this industry, if this is your passion, if this is something you love, you got to understand this is what you're going to deal with. Mm-hmm. So now, what, now what are you going to
1: do? Oh my gosh. That is, that is the leadership toughness that has helped push you through. And I, I remember my dad telling me early on as a young child, he said, you can do anything you want in this country. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be twice as good to get it. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Right. And he right? said, "So you can come back to me and tell me about life is fair or unfair. He said, look, let me go ahead and let's nip this conversation in the bud. Mm-hmm. You can be anything that you want to be, but it will be twice as hard to get the same result. That's just what it's gotta be. Wow. And you delivered against that and are allowing it so that it is better. Right. For those that come after you and changing yes. perceptions because you took that racism bullet, yeah. didn't allow it to pierce your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You took on the challenge, won that customer's business, and kept them as a client. And mm-hmm. that is really, really powerful. And I think that when we think about diversity and inclusion, sometimes people can tend to think about the DNI pep rally, right? You're going to training and rah-rah, and we're going to trade everybody butter. The example that you used is how you can live diversity and inclusion by being that example changing hearts and minds by the way that you work exactly. and, the, and the way that you pushed it through. So yeah. I commend you for that. No, anything else you want to talk about on that topic? That's a great, that's a great story that says a lot.
2: No, I, I think that's about, it. I think the best way that you can combat racism, sexism, any stereotype that you may come against is to prove yourself is to, to let you, let yourself show through whatever this other person is giving you, because you cannot control someone else's thoughts or actions or dialogue, but you can control how you react. You can do that all day, every day. To me, that's what's been able to get the organization where it is, because I may go into the office as being perceived as, okay, here's this black woman coming into our office, but by the time they leave, I'm their partner. Here's someone that's going to help us move our organization forward. And if you really want what's best for your company, you're not going to care what color it comes in, what package it comes in. It's just, can this person support me and help me to move my business forward? And if the answer is yes, we can do business. We can be partners.
1: I like to pride myself on when something is well said, just wrap that thing on up. (laughs) That is a a perfect way to to end our, our conversation and I think it's going to help a lot of folks. And there's a lot of people that are working through that emotional struggle of how do they show up at work, their full self, and how do they show up when people don't understand and get me. And part of what you're saying is let your performance speak. Let your performance speak. And that is really, really powerful. Sonia, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can't stop me. Nothing's going to stand
1: And thanks everyone for listening. We'll begin your feed every week with new episodes from entrepreneurs who inspire you to do more. So be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you have a minute, give us a rating and a review as well. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. If you're looking for more information on how full service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, visit EarFluence.com. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson podcast.